1: Welcome to Allocation Disorder. I am Sam Stasekul, joined by my friend and colleague, Paul Tenorio. I I messed up that intro the last couple of episodes. (laughs) Built a tradition, you know, a culture here, and and I fell short. So I'll put up my hand and say I made a mistake. We're all fallible, including Greg Berhalter. We'll get more into that in a second, Paul. Uh, But we are recording, is a live show. Hopefully some people are listening to us as we proceed um but the u.s men's national team just released a 26-man roster for the upcoming friendlies against japan and saudi arabia and europe later this month i think mostly as expected paul but with one significant surprise i would say um i will read the roster real quick and then we will dive right in for those of you that are joining us live Feel free to hop in the comments in the YouTube section and ask questions and we can interact with you and, and get a little engagement going, you know, always a good thing. Um, but first, uh, the roster, three goalkeepers, Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Matt Turner. No Zach Steffen as he continues to work his way back from injury. Five fullbacks, Reggie Cannon, Sergino Dest, Joe Scally, Sam Vines, and DeAndre Yedlin. Four centerbacks, Cameron Carter-Vickers, Aaron Long, Chris Richards, Walker Zimmerman, Six center mids, Kellen Acosta and Tyler Adams being the defensive midfielders of the group. Then Luca De La Torre, Weston McKenney, Yunus Musa, and Malik Tillman. Five wingers, Brendan Aronson, Paul Ariola, Jordan Morris, Christian Pulisic, and Gio Reyna. And then the big the big position group, the big news uh, at striker, Jesus Ferreira. That one we we expected. Josh Sargent, that one we expected. Ricardo Pepe, he of the 30-game goalless streak for club and country. That one was a little bit less expected. He is back in the camp. For the first time uh, since March, which I guess isn't that long, but he wasn't called up for the June friendlies and Nations League matches. He's back after his loan to Groningen in Holland. Paul, what are the headlines for you? What are your main thoughts? Pepe? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to start with Pepe. Um, You know, it's funny. We
2: wrote our... Prediction, and I I think I wrote this in there. If I didn't, I definitely wrote it in our Google Doc when we were working on it, that it's like kind of shocking that he was the one name that wasn't being discussed considering how prominent he a role he played in World Cup qualifying, the way he broke out for the US, the fact that he was sold for $20 million in January. And here we were listing all of these strikers as options. I think like six different guys who were scoring goals, and we weren't even talking about Pepe. Turns out we should have been, Sam. (laughs) Turns out we should have been talking about Pepe (laughs) because he is in this roster. And Yeah, I mean, it stands out for me for a couple reasons. The first, obviously, is the 30-game goalless streak. I mean, the forward's job is to score goals, and Pepe hasn't been able to do that for club or country since last October when he had that kind of breakout moment scoring goals against Jamaica, two goals against Jamaica. He had obviously scored in September in his USMNT debut in Honduras. A couple of assists in that that game as well, and then had the two goals against Jamaica, but nothing since then. Not literally hasn't dallas. scored
1: since then it's been yeah. more than 11 months
2: and it's been Crazy. across three different clubs he didn't score in his final couple games for fc dallas he didn't score at all at augsburg and you know granted he only he's only had one game for Groningen, only 45 um, minutes in he, he had an assist there <laughs> a generous assist, an assist MLS assist it felt very much like an mls it was a
1: good play great play great. not but a the necessary. guy the guy that scored had to run 40 yards before he scored <laughs> <laughs> with the ball not just like <laughs> running on his
2: own with the ball um So, yeah, that stands out to me. Look, I I think my takeaway on the Pepe thing is coming out of Greg Berhalter's comments is that Jordan Peefock is very much not out of things here. Mm -hmm. I think my takeaway is that Jordan Peefock, they know what he can do. They know what role he would play for the U.S. at the World Cup. He'd be coming off the bench. He'd be a late-game sub who can add a physical presence up top, good in the air on set pieces. They know exactly who he is and what he does. This is the chance for Pepe to get back into the picture for the World Cup. Now, the guy who probably has the biggest beef here, but definitely has the biggest beef here yeah. is Brandon Vasquez. You know, he he scored a lot of goals this season, 16 for FC Cincinnati, he had four goals in his last uh 10 games or so, uh 8 games or so yeah. in last season as last, well.
1: Yeah.
2: And um and he's not made the the national team at all. He didn't get called up in the summer and he didn't get called up in this camp. And Greg Berhalter talked about that as well, saying like, you know, it's hard to give Brandon Vasquez a chance when we haven't seen him the way we have Josh Sargent in qualifiers, the way we have Ricardo Pepe in qualifiers, the way we have Jordan Peacock. And and I, I think, you know, for you, Sam, it was like, well, you, you can't have a body of work with the national team if you never get called into the national team. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's under Berhalter's control. right? You know, the so, fact that he doesn't know, have a body of work. I mean, it just boils down to like, I, I think it just boils down to a simple fact like he believes that, those guys that we're talking about—Jesus, Sargent, Pepe, Pifok—can get it done with the national
1: team, and he doesn't think that about Vasquez over those guys. That well, means- he doesn't have the the evidence, is what he said. So, so I want to wind back a little bit and just kind of explain what Berhalter said on his press conference that just completed here a few minutes ago. Um, Jesus Ferreira, you know, pretty much a lock, I think, for Qatar at this point. Josh Sargent has been in really good form. I think everyone expected and and feels like he deserved this call-up after he's been playing well with Norwich City. Um, Like you mentioned, I think the PFAC one, it's fine, right? Like They know what he can bring. They know what he's about. They don't necessarily need to see him. Uh, But with Pepe, the justification was basically like, this is a guy who scored a couple of goals in 10 World Cup qualifiers ago. He started a couple of games in March. He looked okay, I guess, even though he didn't get on the end of anything. Um, And we believe in him and his abilities, and we're bringing him in as sort of like a last shot for him to kind of raise his confidence and raise his level. Berhalter likes the move for him to the Eredivisie, to Holland. He thinks he can dominate that league. Uh, And now it's a question of whether or not he will. It's no sure thing that Pepe will go to Qatar, but it's just kind of interesting to bring a guy in and say, okay, Ricardo, you've been in basically every single camp for the last year or so, and we're giving you one final chance to prove yourself. This is a guy that they know his body of work too. They know what he brings. They understand all of those things we said about PFOC apply to Pepe as well in terms of knowing what he can do. I get, okay, if you like him better, you want to build his confidence. Okay, I understand that. Um, But I just think Vasquez is in so much better form than Pepe right now he, he's a little bit of a different player uh more of a target guy but he can still do some things when he drops in into midfield he can still stretch a back line it's not like Pepe is a real huge burner in terms of running in behind so it's not like there's a huge difference there in my opinion um i don't know I, to me this is like this is essentially berhalter was very very adamant that people are still everyone is still in contention for this roster but if you're using the justification of okay, he's never been in camp and we don't know what we have in him now. Is that gonna change in the next two months before the final roster is named on November 9th? To me, this is this is Vasquez, you know, this is it, barring some injuries. Yeah. I would say yeah. unless
2: unless he scores like another ten goals down the stretch in the playoffs for FC Cincinnati. The last few games in the playoffs like i think i yeah. think the door is it's pretty much shut on him after yeah. this I, I will say i think matt skinner we see your comment here is this sergeant and peppy battling for the number three striker role and it's an interesting way to frame it and i think i don't think so at all i don't think it's that at all i think it's i think actually if you were to go that way it would be sergeant against pfock battling for the number three striker role or sergeant and Pepe battling mm-hmm. for number two and then the loser of that still battling PFOC for the number three role. I like, think
1: I think Sargent's battling for the starting job.
2: Eh, I mean, yes and no. I, I, I don't think there will be. I would agree with you, Sam, in that I don't think Jesus Ferreira starts all three group stage games. But I think Sargent and Pepe are, are both in the mix to be a number two and to be starting as the number two, right? To get a game or two in the group stage. PFOC and Sargent, the profile of striker, they are more similar than Pepe and PFOC. Like, if if you're going to profile out these strikers, I think Sargent does more of the same things as to what PFOC does than Pepe does. But, you know, I, I, I think know. the ideal, I think, for Burhalter would be that these three guys who are in this roster, I think, fit his profile better than the guys who are not.
1: Yeah, um, and, and and to be clear, he's made that profile pretty clear. He wants a guy who can drop both drop into midfield and run in behind the back line, and that's really right. important to him. Um and that's you know, PFOC, I think, is a very situational player for this team. Yeah, it's it's not as a starter, like you said, Paul. It's it's as a late game sub if you need a goal and you just want to throw a big body up there who's good on set pieces and can be a target for you.
2: And he's been successful in a two with with, with Union at, at least. Yeah. And and US typically plays a four-three three with one striker. Yep. Um, but in late game substitutions, they can add a second forward, which is where I think he would do better. Um, I want to go if we can go back to that previous question. Um do you bring someone who has not played with USMNT at all this late into the cycle? I think clearly Greg Berhalter is trying to avoid that. But Sam, I was saying to you before we started live here that I think it's worth going back and looking at t- the 2010 World Cup and talking to, to Bob Bradley and people who were on that team about the way that those forwards were selected, guys who were in good form in the league getting called in over mm-hmm. more established players. Herc Gomez. Herc Gomez. Got called Buttle. in Buttle. Edson Buttle and um, – Robbie right. Finley and a guy like Brian Ching, who was a very well-established national team player, was left off that roster at the time. was Was an established veteran guy, and and you know talking about what that was like, even when you go into qualifying, those final games of qualifying, Bob Bradley brought brought Connor Casey in because yeah. he was hot in the league. I, th- I don't know. I think football, those are no? more.
1: Fo- those were more like the Gomez and Buttle, I think, were form, but Finley was absolutely a fit and a profile choice. For a while, I thought,
2: especially one game. And then he ended up using him for multiple games.
1: Yeah, because you, you didn't have Charlie Davies after his car accident, and, and Robbie Finley was the guy that brought that pace. And so that was, you know, kind of the like for like replacement. Anyway, uh, do you bring someone? I mean, at this point, I don't think anyone who has not played with US team at all is going to make the World Cup team, barring some injuries up top that could put Vasquez back into the picture. Um, so, yeah, I think that ship has pretty much sailed. I, I don't know. I mean, do you think Pepe steps up? Do you think he's the one that, that does it? And, and to this question, does this basically put Haji right out of contention? Yeah, um, you know, I think Haji was out of contention after
2: the June window when Berhalter kind of publicly... Out of was contention. President. I don't want to say out of contention, but it, was, yes. it would take a lot for him. He, and, and more than what he's done in Turkey so far... <sighs> Look, I, I, I'll say it again. I think that Burhalter would prefer the three players that he called up into this camp to be yeah. the three. I mean, that he's giving Pepe every opportunity, man. And like, he said he like, believes like, he can please, be
1: dominant like, after watching forty-five. Come minutes. take this, Ricardo. Like I'm laying it out for you. I want you to be the guy. Can he come and do it? We'll see. I don't know. I mean, like I'm. I don't know. I'm not optimistic with Pepe over the next two months. I don't not, know, not man. I any, mean, the, not the, saying anything about his long-term prospects, and I'm not saying that Burhalter isn't going to name him to the to the final squad. I just don't see him rounding into like top-class form here over we'll the see. next
2: the, eight weeks. It's the right league for a forward to go to if you're going to try to get into some goal-scoring form for sure. It is. It's a it's a it's a striker-friendly league in Holland, and you know the fact that he came in in his first 45 minutes and made an impact in the attack is is a good sign for him. And I think that's what Berhalter is trying to encourage and to coax out of him. I do think, I think soccer wise that Ricardo Pepe is a better fit for this U S team than Jordan Peefock is. I'll say that. And I think Josh Sargent is too, for what they want out of a striker. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I think it's worth noting the, what the ages of these three guys are, these three forwards. Um, I'm going to look them all. Up. I know Pepe's 19. Jesus Ferreira is 21. Yeah. Jesus Ferrer is 21. And Josh Sargent can't be more than older than 22,
1: I believe. Yeah. 22
2: years old. You're right. So, you know, you you got a a 19 year old, a 21, 21 year old and a 22 year old. I mean, this is, this is what this national team is all about right now. Yeah. They they, they are, they are super, (laughs) super. I I, I mean, it's all all about what
1: happens in two months.
2: Again, I I think it's an incredibly plausible scenario that Jordan Peefock is on the world cup roster. Less so for Brandon Vasquez for sure. But I think, yeah, Jordan Peefock has a good chance, I would say,
1: of being on the World Cup roster. Even I, I would actually agree with you um, because it's a situational play, like we've been saying. Paul, there are other positions on this on this team besides striker that we should probably talk about. Um, goalkeeper is an interesting one. No Zach Steffen. He is still working his way back from an injury. Uh, Greg Berhalter revealed that he had a PRP, I believe, what, plasma-rich something injection. yeah. Um, Rich plasma. I think that's yeah, there we go. There we go. Um he but he's been in up and down form. Yeah right here. Yeah there's been some there's been some reports during his injury that you know when he comes back and when he's healthy he might not be starting. Um he's not in this team. I think if he was in this team, I think it's pretty clear that he's he's no longer the number one. I don't even know if there's much of a race really at this point, you know, he, Berhalter was asked about the goalkeeping situation and, and he was like, you know, it would be ideal if Matt Turner was playing every week, of course, but I got the chance. I Berhalter got the chance to go to Arsenal and watch him and sit down with his goalkeeper coach and look at video from when he started with Arsenal in preseason and where he's at now. And Berhalter said that he's seen significant improvement just in those few months. So I think right now Turner is probably the clear starter for this U S team. Um, we might even see Gaga Slonina go to the World's Cup. I feel that that's more likely after the press conference than I did before. Um, but, Paul, my question to you, is Zach Steffen going to go to Qatar?
2: I would put it at 50-50 right now. And and I would pr- my prediction is that he doesn't. But I, I would say that the one thing that stood out to me when I asked about the goalkeepers that maybe swung me up to 50-50 was Burhalter talked about we will evaluate everything about a strike about all of the players where they are in their form right now how they're playing and their production for the national team in the past or something to that effect right the way that they've played for the US in the past and i think that was a he's not been outstanding for the not US been outstanding us. but he's been called on to play in those games right so he's saying like if i'm picking a backup goalkeeper right let's remove the third goalkeeper scenario right now and say that i think it's fair to say that right now Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, and Zach Steffen are competing for the number two goalkeeper spot. And I think Burhalter was kind of signaling that Zach's ability to perform in qualifiers will be factored in to that race for the backup. I agree with you that that third string goalkeeper spot might be Gaga Slonina. You know, it might be one of those situations where he's sneaking in as a third goalkeeper just to give that kid the experience. Um, and And Vincent Alvarado asking about Josh Cohen, it's great that he's playing champions league. He's not in the picture right now. We, there are a number of goalkeepers that they're very happy with, that they've been happy with, who have performed with the U S when they've been given a chance who play in better leagues and play better competition regularly. Um, outside of, you know, the group stage of the champions league, uh, which is fantastic to see. Josh Cohen's a great story from, a, I think a division two college into the USL and then going to Israel and performing well and now playing in the champions league. Um, but for me, I, I I do think that there's a chance that Zach Steffen misses out, and and I do wonder if he does miss out. Do you go with like Sean Johnson played well in the June window. Ethan Horvath has stepped up in big moments, and and if Zach Steffen's out of the picture, you know I don't think you're bringing Zach Steffen as the third goalkeeper. In other words, so it's, yeah. it's just an interesting scenario, and I could see Slonina sneaking onto the World Cup roster. What a dramatic
1: fall that would be considering where Stefan was entering qualifying, where kind of undisputed number yeah. one, in, I think in Berhalter's mind, and then comes down with, with back spasms in the opening window and Turner enters and here we are today, a year later. Um, moving up the fields, the back line I think was mostly as expected. Um, you know, our prediction I think was was pretty much right on, except we had James Sands. We, we named a 27-man right. man roster. Yeah. And James Sands was not called, and it was only a 26-man team. Um, but the big question mark here is at left back. Anthony Robinson is out due to injury. Um, Burhalter indicated that, you know, he'll be back in time for Qatar. He didn't seem concerned about his availability off of this injury anyway for the World Cup. So that's that's a that's a good thing for the U.S., for sure. Um, and then Joe Scally and Sam Vines are going to get the chance to kind of duke it out for what will probably end up as one spot on the plane and Sam Vines, he was Berhalter was full of praise for him. I think he said, quote form of his life yeah. um, for, for Antwerp. Um, and so I'm, I'm very curious to see how, how he looks in these games. I would expect both Vines and Scally to, to get one start a piece at left back in these two matches. Uh, Scally is not a natural left back. Unlike Vines, Uh Scally's a right footer, uh, plays right back for Mönchengladbach. We saw him play left back in the second half of the friendly against Morocco in June, and then for the full 90 against Uruguay a few days later, that one didn't go so well. Um, his positioning was was bad on several occasions in the first half, and, and that created some space for Uruguay that, that led to some chances. I believe he fell asleep at the back post and and, and lost a mark who, who could have easily scored on um, a good chance for them in, in the second half, um, which is sort of, I mean, it's sort of indicative of a young player who doesn't normally play that position, slide it in there. So there's some danger with Scali. Paul, what do you make of this battle and this position um, in the event that Anthony Robinson can't go or gets hurt again at the world, yeah. at the World's Go?
2: Well, first of all, I, I see this question from the New York Red Bulls about John Tolkien, their their left back. I, I is think this the actual New York Red Bulls account chime that's, that's it, chiming I mean, in? I think it is. Okay. Um, and and I, I would say Greg Berhalter noted today that they didn't feel like they had enough depth with purely left footed players and that allowed Scally to be the right footed left back. I do know that the the US coaching staff, the group, they do like Tolkien.
1: But they're they, they looking at him for down the road. I think Burhalter name checked like a dozen players that didn't make the team that were yeah. close. Tolkien was not one of them. Right. Um, and so yeah, what with what Jim Rossi is saying here, they have options behind
2: Anthony Robinson. Well, I, there's, it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise, I think, for Robinson to be out for this camp because they needed to find out who the backup at this position was going to be and what the plan at left back was going to be. And now they have a real competition between the two players that will dictate what this roster looks like in some ways. Like if Sam Vines beats out Joe Scalley for this position, I think it changes what the depth chart looks like on multiple lines for the U.S. Yeah, Because if you bring two left-footed players – you are going to bring three right backs. That's that's what you're going to have five fullbacks on this roster. If you bring Joe Scally, I think there are there's less of a chance that you see five fullbacks. I think you could potentially see four fullbacks because you would have three options at each position. You'd have Robinson, Dest, and Scally at left back. You'd have Dest, Cannon, or Yedlin, or Shaq Moore, um, and Scally at right back. Yeah, and and that would open up a spot somewhere else, maybe. You know, we think right now that Jordan Morris and Paul Areola are fighting for one spot at the winger position. Maybe both of them come with Tim Weah. Maybe mm-hmm. you bring an, another striker. Um, I doubt that you'd bring maybe more. another midfielder. Yeah. So it, it yeah. opens, maybe an extra center back. You know, that's why we had maybe, Joe Scalley involved. bring so four goalkeepers. It, it changes the dynamics of the depth okay. chart, in this <laughs> one position. It really does. I, I think, I actually think because of that, that Joe Scally might end up making this team. Because when you're sitting down, Sam, it was hard. When you and I were sitting down doing a September roster, there are going to be some really tough decisions here in this team and where you can carve out wiggle room to, to add an extra impactful player. If you're losing a fifth fullback to add another impactful player up the field who's got a better chance of coming into the game and changing things for you if you need it. Yeah. Like, I think you lean towards those decisions. Or maybe you say it's a luxury to have a fifth center back. But, you know, if you lose one center back and you're down to three, it's a it's a much better feeling. You know, whereas you have cover at the fullback positions with guys like Helen Acosta, Tyler Adams in midfield. So, yeah, it, it's for me, I, I, I'm giving an early edged Joe Scali just because I'm, I'm already playing like the roster hunger games here. I'm already <laughs> figuring out where I can find
1: those extra the slots. roster hunger games. I like that. We're going to need to use that in, in future, <laughs> future things. Um, that previous question that just left the screen. Uh, do you see desk playing left back? Um, I don't really, but Berhalter certainly didn't shut down that possibility today. You know, he talked about how playing, how Sergio has played out there for the U S in the past and how he thinks it can kind of unbalance opponents to have a guy cutting in on his right foot from the left side um but you know there becomes some weird spacing issues potentially if you play him out there and Pulisic is playing on the left wing and they're both kind of cutting in on the right foot um I don't see it although I wouldn't entirely rule it out so we'll see um he did play there in qualifying against El Salvador that didn't go well um Sam I got a question for you looking at center back Cameron Carter
2: Vickers Chris Richards Walker Zimmerman uh, and Aaron Long mm-hmm. are, are in this team. For me, not a ton of no surprises here. We had all four of these guys. But when you look at the guys who got left off, Joe Scally, he's been playing at Rangers. Not Joe Scally, depth, James Sorry, Sands. James Sands. He plays. He can play center back. He can play defensive mid. He can play right back. So mm-hmm. some versatility in the roster there. But Tim Ream, um, Tim Ream starting at yeah. Fulham, captain really Fulham in well the Premier League and playing yeah. really well. Why not Tim Ream and and. When you look at these four guys,
1: what is your starting pairing? If this is the four that go to the World Cup, yeah, who's who's starting? Man, um, it's not just Tim Ream that was close. Berhalter also shouted out who Eric Palmer Brown, Mark, Mark, Mark McKenzie, McKenzie Eric Palmer Brown, and Matt Miazga, and Matt Miazga as well. who's done well at Cincinnati. Um, you know, I asked Greg. I said, "Hey, why not Tim Ream?" <laughs> and basically, he said it's a question. You know, to boil it down into one sentence, it's it's not a question of form; it's a question of fit. Berhalter likes to play with a high line um, and he likes to play with Walker Zimmerman is one of his center backs. Walker Zimmerman is not the fastest player in the world. Neither is Tim Ream. Uh, if you play the two of them together, you can't play a high line. They're going to get burned and guys are going to run in behind them. And it's, it's just, you're just playing with fire. If you do that in Burhalter's mind, I don't disagree with that, by the way. I think that makes a ton of logical sense. He also and, noted attacking set pieces, wanting center backs who are good on attacking set yeah, pieces. Yeah, yeah, and, and guys who are dominant in the air. You know, having said that, um, I still would love Tim Ream on this roster, and I think I would probably prefer him as like a fifth center back versus bringing five fullbacks. Um, he's a really good distributor of the ball. He's a good leader. He's a veteran on a team that doesn't have very many of them. Uh, I think you would add a little bit of a component in the locker room in that way. Um, and if Zimmerman goes down, if he were to get hurt in the first half of the opener against Wales, then I think maybe you could start Ream next to somebody else and and, and maybe have a little bit of a replacement there. To answer your question about, okay, if this is the four, who's starting next to Zimmerman? Man, I don't know. Like, I, I want to say Richards, but he isn't playing for crystal palace really. Um, and when he is playing a lot of times he's coming in as a right back. Um, Cameron Carter Vickers is doing well for Celtic, but he didn't, you know, overwhelm in in terms of what he was able to do in June. Uh, Aaron long brings a lot of speed and a lot of pace, um, good size, good athleticism as well. But I thought he was pretty mediocre in June for the most part. And I, I, really wouldn't feel all that comfortable starting him in a world cup game. Uh but we'll see. I mean, I think there's a lot to be determined honestly about that pairing and that partnership and there haven't been a ton of clear-cut answers since Miles Robinson went down. What yeah. about you? I mean, do you think there's a front runner? I, I think there's an
2: interesting decision that has to be made here. Um in these friendlies to get a look at at different for a uh, different possibilities. And one of those is that I don't think you can really pair or I don't want to say don't think you can, but like Zimmerman, Cameron Carter, Vickers feels like the most odd fit of two guys together. Um, that being said, I think that there will be a game where you see Zimmerman on the bench. And I think you see Aaron Long and Chris Richards starting. I don't camp. think so. In I this think, camp or at the World's Cup? In this camp. In this camp. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Because I think you do need to answer that question that you asked, Sam. Like, if Zimmerman goes down, what do we do? Do we need to bring that fifth center back? Do we need a different profile? Than the other three guys that we have here so i i kind of expect to see a long richards pairing at some point in these two games whether they start together whether there's a substitution made at halftime of one of these games you give zimmerman you know the first game or the second game whichever one you pick and or maybe you can both and you say okay at halftime of this second game we're bringing you out we want to see this pairing mm-hmm. um but I, I would i i really have an expectation of a long richards
1: pairing because i think burhalter wants to look at that how, and how do you feel about this position as a whole because i great. look at it i look at it and it makes me nervous
2: it, it should it's the weakest position in the pool by like a wide margin in my opinion like i think even, if you look, even striker yeah i think if you look at like this position comparatively to the like the real like best teams in the world like the top 15 16 teams in the yeah. world like like the Big drop gap. off between the top center back for every other team and the top center back for this team is is more significant is greater than the gap at forward and that's saying something um now <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not just comparing it to like obviously the the difference between you know brazil or germany or england striker and u.s is is a little bit different you know i'm, I'm not talking about just the elite 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 but I, i'm talking about that that top like if you were to take like the the round of 16 you know and And so I just think like top to bottom this depth chart has the most question marks mm-hmm. And for me the the we have just as little information, not information, but just as little um, certainty certainty around it as we do the number nine. I, I think mm-hmm. there are real concerns whoever you put up there right? like whoever you start at the number nine, there are concerns. how's this going to work? Whoever you start at center back, I think there are some concerns of how this is gonna work. Like, yeah, what's Walker Zimmerman gonna look like against England is a valid question. What's Jesus Ferreira gonna look like against Wales is like a valid question, you know? I'm not sure who so, starts that game. Yeah. So I mean that th- that to me, there those are the two positions that you're just like,
1: mm. Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: Two pretty important ones, too, yeah. for that matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. Um <laughs> not insignificant, that's yeah. for sure. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events?
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Moving on, midfields, you
1: know, I think as expected. No real surprises here. I do feel bad for Georgie um, who was not even mentioned in this call, um, he was a call up in June. He was going to start that first game against Morocco, and then he got injured in the final game for Montreal uh, prior to the window opening and had to, to withdraw. His form has kind of suffered since he's, he's turned it on a bit lately, but not enough to get into this team, um, and I don't see him making the squad for the World Cup. At this point, um, defensive midfielder Tyler Adams and Kellen Acosta, barring an injury, those are your two defensive midfielders in Qatar. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. And then Luca De Luca Torre, Weston McKennie, Yunus Musa, Malik Tillman. We have a question about Malik Tillman. We'll get to that in a second. But in June we saw some tweaks with the midfield. Paul, you know, for all of qualifying they played with Adams as the sole six, and Musa and McKennie in front of him as kind of dual eights, free eights, as the saying goes. Um, it switched a little bit in June with Musa dropping deeper and kind of helping Adams in the buildup. Uh, McKenney was not at that camp. So that that sort of facilitated that change. How do you think it'll work now that all three of them are here?
2: Uh, the same, the same as it did in June, just a little bit better. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I told you this the other day. I think Yunus Musa is going to be the breakout player of the World Cup for the U.S. I think he is in the midst of a breakout season in Spain. He is an incredibly talented and incredibly important player for this team. That tweak in in the way that they build build up, the way that they want Eunice Musa getting on the ball more often, changed a lot about this team. It, it gave more space for Christian Pulisic to operate in mm-hmm. the the spaces where he likes to work most, which should open up space down the left side for Anthony Robinson to get more involved. And I think you know changes. That I mainly played for the right back. Like Russa I Musa mainly played on the right in right, but when you but by by virtue of that, I think you can play west and higher and more central. That allows a little bit more of that lane for Christian, which should open mm-hmm. up the outside. And I think it gives a little bit more freedom even to Serginho Des to get involved a little bit higher up the field in the buildup, which is always a good thing. You want Sergio on the attacking end as much as possible. Um, again, I think that those three are like the most locked in of any three players in the starting lineup. Yeah. Period. I, I do not see. You heard of Christian Pulisic? No, I, I think those you know, three yeah, players are the most locked in of any players on this team into those starting roles. Like, I don't okay. think you will see those three change if they can avoid it.
1: I don't think so either. I, I also just think Pulisic is in that same conversation. Yeah, he'll
2: start. He'll yeah. start, but he also <laughs> came off the bench a couple times in qualifying. He, did, he wasn't he a did. locked in starter in qualifying. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm interested also to see, um, you know, what really for me is like, the versatility of this group also like the makeup of this group is impactful and kind of how you think about second half changes. Like if you're in the 65th minute solution. of game game you want, and you want to make some subs, you know, you can do different things. If you're Greg Berhalter with this roster, you, you can bring in Tillman who, yeah. who I think no coincidence that, or, you know, it's significant that he's listed as a midfielder, not a forward here. You can bring Gio Reyna central. I think we will. I know we'll get to this in a second. I think we will see him. You central can bring Brendan the, Aronson. You in. can bring Brendan Aronson centrally. So, you can bring Christian centrally if you needed to. I don't think you will now that you have those three other options. But there, it, it's just an interesting dynamic of um, how to shift the way this team attacks in the second half based on how you change this this trio centrally. Yeah. Um, but I, get, I feel better about this, this. Let's get
1: to guys. this Tillman question. What's yes. his ceiling? This this cycle been killing it at Rangers. Well, he was this, killing it. This cycle, <laughs> you know, his ceiling is. Pretty much what it is right now. The cycle isn't very much long. Longer there's not very much more time. You know what I'm trying to say. Berhalter, I thought, gave an interesting answer when asked about Tillman. Uh, basically, like you see what his ceiling can can be. We think it can be really, really high. But he's also like he's been disappointing in his last couple of games against the best competition Rangers has seen this year, and against Ajax and Celtic. um Maybe not their last couple of games at this point, but two recent games, and. So I think, I think he, he called on him to do more, to raise his level. And if he can, then I think he can be a contributor to this group in Qatar, probably in a supporting role. I don't necessarily see him getting a start or anything like that, um, but one for the future, for sure, and and one that could make an impact here in two months' time in the Middle East.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, when I, I interviewed Greg Berhalter for Allocation Disorder 1v1, and a lot of people pointed out that he, when he talked about kind of the game-changing impactful players, he brought up Gio Reyna, he brought up Brendan Aronson. I think he might've even brought up Christian. And he also mentioned Malik and that's that answer. And, um, and so, you know, I, I thought that was notable of what he thinks he can do, but yeah, I mean, Tillman got pulled out at halftime of, of one or both of those games or early in, in, mm-hmm. in, them for sure. Everybody on Rangers looked bad in those games. Uh, he wasn't the only one that I X game. That first half, I was watching and I was like, man, that was a beatdown in a way that I have not seen since like Pep's
1: Barcelona teams, maybe. Like, it was like that level of dominance. Worse than what the Philadelphia Union are doing to the entirety of MLS right now.
2: Because it was about like the amount of time (laughs) they had the ball and like it was ridiculous. I think they had like 370 passes in the first half to like 108 or something. And they had like almost 80% or 80%
1: possession. It was like, so it, it's not a it, game you like to play in. If you're it on the wouldn't have been ways. that different if you were out there. Is what you're saying?
2: <laughs> no, it probably would have been a lot different <laughs> if I was out there, uh, not in a good way. <laughs> um, and that's that's saying something because it was three nothing at halftime. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a tough game. So I, yeah, I thought it was interesting to challenge a young player uh, to step up in those big games and, and show what you're capable of doing if you want to play a, a big part in this team. Because there are guys like we just mentioned before, Tillman is competing with. Gio Reyna with Brendan Aronson for playing time you know as a as a guy who can replace Weston or Eunice late in the game you know those aren't nobodies that you're talking about it's two of the biggest stars on this team Gio Reyna and Brendan Aronson so if you want to play in that role if you want to play those minutes I haven't even brought up Luca de la Torre, who who played well he's, not playing. He called upon. he's got 10 minutes so yeah. far in Spain but he stepped up in qualifying too so if you're If you're Tillman, like that was a challenge for a reason. Like this is like a, you're playing in a very competitive spot in this team.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you think this group changes at all prior to Qatar? Yeah, I do. Who do you think comes in? Well, Tim Weah
2: and Anthony Robinson for sure. No, no. The midfielders. Oh, this midfield group. No, I don't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Stay focused, Paul. No, um, I assume. I assume you on Eric Williamson,
2: right? Are you are, is this? Am I teeing you up for Eric Williamson and Georgia Mihailovic? Do you think either of them can break into this? this No, career?
1: although Greg Berhalter, I think, in the one that was most interesting to me of the shout outs to the guys that got cut, um, Johnny Cardoso got yeah. a mention as someone that was close, so that one was kind of kind of interesting to hear. Probably because um, he has to stay on the radar if Kellen Acosta were to get hurt, perhaps. Yeah, um, Ben Bender who, you know, we just got a question about, I believe, I assume from John Hayes um, of The Athletic and of the Charlotte Soccer Show. Um, (laughs) Where is he? I I think he's in North Carolina. In Charlotte, probably. Yeah, Yeah. I would guess, unless they're on the road tonight, I can't even, I I, I don't know. Everything in my brain is mush. They may have played yesterday, I can't even remember. Um, Moving on, I mean, we talked about the strikers already. The wingers, I think everyone's confident in that group. I think it's probably the best position for the U.S., with and Reina, Pulisic, Wea when he's healthy. Um, and Berhalter was hopeful that he'll get back into team training with Leal next week. Um, so, you know, he should be good to go. And then Jordan Morris and, and Paul Ariola competing for maybe one final spot on the plane to Qatar. Um, but Paul, I, I'm most curious of how this will look. I think we can assume that Christian Pulisic will be the starter on the left for this camp. Is Gio Reyna going to start on the right? You know, he hasn't gotten a start yet for Dortmund. He's played a decent amount of minutes the last couple of weeks, uh, but hasn't started yet for them, I don't believe, um, coming off of his injury. And Aronson has been fantastic for Leeds, but it's a different kind of style than what the U.S. tries to play. And he's not necessarily a really wide player for the club. Um, How do you see this one shaping up opposite Pulisic?
2: Yeah, I mean, if everyone's healthy if everyone's healthy, I think Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah start on the wings because of the way of just at, the, of trying, Cup. at the World Cup trying to create nice. balance is what what you're doing in the team. To have a winger who can make those runs in behind the back line, stretch stretch a defense, try to get to the end line and, and deliver crosses. Tim Weah was one of the most productive attacking players in the US team during qualifying and I I think that, you know, because he brings a different skill set he'll get the start. Now, I'm saying all that, and I think it's notable that Gio Reyna was hurt for pretty much all of qualifying. And he is, uh, we've mentioned this time and time and time and time again, he is the X factor on this roster because we just don't have enough time knowing what a healthy Gio Reyna looks like in this squad and how it changes squad selection and how it changes the balance of the team and what you're trying to do. And, you know, things could change if, for example, Anthony Robinson's ankle injury were to get extended and he were to miss the World Cup well, then you're not bombing a left-back forward. You're probably bombing Sergino Dest forward. And then maybe you do want Gio Arena who comes inside and plays more as the winger, to open up space for Sergino Dest to give you that verticality and stretch the field on the outside of the right. So there are questions still to be answered here. But today, if you if you were to ask me, like who's the starting lineup in Qatar, if everyone's healthy like off the jump, I would say Tim Weah is starting, Christian Pulisic is starting, and Gio and Brendan Aronson are both coming off the bench which I think speaks to the attacking, the winger depth on this team. And, you know, I, I think also speaks to, especially specific to Gio Reyna, I think it speaks to the fact that we just don't, we haven't seen enough of him as a starter, club or country health-wise, that, that you can't, and, and Joe Campbell, I'm not sure that Reyna's not the U.S.'s best player, but no one is because he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and play consistent minutes over an extended period of time. And, and you need to
1: do that to show that you are the best player of this U.S. team. I think, all right, I'm, I was going to ask you this after the, this discussion, but I'll ask right now. Like, I, I wanted to get your three biggest priorities for this camp. One of my biggest priorities is, like, integrate Gio Reyna into this team because of what Joe just asked. Are we sure he's not the most talented player? He's an incredible talent. He's a great player. And yeah, we haven't seen it consistently because he's been injured, but you have an opportunity now over the next two weeks to play him in two matches, to get him in training with the team every single session and try and figure it out. And I think you have to take this opportunity to try it. Um, And, and I don't know exactly what it would look like because he does like to come inside and Pulisic likes to come inside. And where do you get that width? Right. Like sort of like you talked about. Um, but I think this is a good chance to experiment with it. And I think that's tough for Brendan Aronson, who's been nothing but fantastic for the most part in his transition to the Premier League with Leeds. Uh, but I think that's sort of the way the cookie needs to crumble here. So that that's one of my biggest priorities. Another is to integrate Josh Sargent back into the team. Um, because when you look at his profile, I think he can do a lot of the things that Ferreira does in terms of combining and dropping in. He's more physical and a better athlete than Ferreira. He can hold the ball up a little bit better. He can actually battle against some of the bigger center backs they're going to be facing in Qatar. Um, And he's playing really well with Norwich right now. So I want to see him get some run. Um, And a couple other things. I said three, I'm going with four. Um, This one's probably a little bit less important, but just to continue to kind of build cohesiveness in, in how the midfield is building out. With McKenney, Musa, and Adams, particularly if you're going to continue to drop Musa a little bit deeper like you did in June. Now integrate Weston into that and kind of work it out and try and get a couple of reps in it. And then the last thing uh, is build chem Street center back. We know Zimmerman is going to be one of the options there. But if if you start Richards against Japan, and he does really well, or if you start Carter Vickers against Japan, and he does really well, maybe run it back against Saudi Arabia if you're confident in it going into the world's cup, just to get them additional time together before these games really, 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 really matter in two months in one week. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with some of those. I, I, I do think that the
2: injuries in this camp were, they worked out well for some of the questions that need to get sorted. Like I think that you get Matt Turner two starts in this camp. Yeah. Um, which I think was important considering that you probably think he's your your starter. I think we already went over left back and why you needed to see these two players. And now you have the, you have one game each for them to show what they can do. Whereas if Robinson was healthy,
1: they have much more limited time and probably not yeah. both of them here. I didn't, I didn't list that as a priority because ideally you're not seeing either of those guys in the world. But, but
2: it answers a big question on the roster and the roster construction as I went over mm-hmm. before. And then on, on the wing, I think you're right. You know, Tim Weah not being here opens an opportunity for Gio Reyna to get at least one start in this formation in this 4-3-3 and see how it works with Christian and Gio on the wings and how does that balance look? How does Gio play? How does that change with Musa dropping deeper and Weston coming a little bit higher up the field potentially in certain moments or not? If you if you're going to have both of those guys pinched in and how do you balance yeah. when the left back goes and when the right back goes? All of these things are things you need to learn with Geo starting, and and Tim not being here allows you that opportunity to do it, um and and so I think it's an important moment for them. And then yeah, I mean for me the third thing is the striker, and and I agree that for me the the most intriguing player in this pool, at least at, at the number nine, I mentioned it back when we did our first roster prediction was Josh Sargent. I've always liked his skill set. I thought it was unfortunate that he was playing in the teams he was playing in both at Werder Bremen and at Norwich in the Premier League that struggled in the league, that didn't have the ball a lot. He was playing a lot of defensive soccer and not getting a lot of opportunities and looks in front of goal. And once he has, here in the championship, he's been scoring. And I I really do think he can be a good player on the international level. And I think he's a very good option to play up top for the U.S., um, but I think you also are going to see, I think you're going to see Jesus start both games because I think there is a constant mm-hmm. desire to see Jesus against World Cup opponents and gauge him at this level ahead of the World Cup. Know. Because
1: after what you, he said about Pepe today, you think that
2: Yeah. I think you I think you see Josh coming in off the bench in one game and you see
1: Pepe coming in off the bench in the other. I wouldn't be surprised to see forty five forty five shifts for at the striker position
2: yeah kind what i mean.
1: the run for all three of them
2: but i do think jesus will start in both and, and and just because i i do think that right now he's the starting striker and and you and he is an mls and you do want him against
1: these types of opponents as often as possible yeah fair enough um well paul i think we i think that was pretty comprehensive you got anything else you need to get off your chest about this roster i do want to say you know we're going I, I I don't want to spend too much time on
2: this because I just got some data from Opta regarding you know how many minutes go to guys deep in the roster, and it's like you know not very many teams are using twenty two and twenty three players on the twenty three man squad. So when we go into questions about the twenty fifth and twenty sixth man on this roster, it's right. probably kind of a silly exercise because of the role that they will play will, will be minimal eh. likely um
1: but one on the margins so yeah i mean
2: i i I do think that um you know for me right now paul Ariola holds the edge um for that spot over jordan morris um he's been more productive um i think that you know he's he's got more international experience yeah Um, he's been
1: he's been in the group a lot more with yeah so a lot of time with that acl tear that he had yeah yeah so we'll see um but i would say i would say don't sleep on christian Rodan. Um, he's injured right now. He wasn't mentioned by Burhalter in the call, but this is a guy who has been a part of every single U.S. camp going back to the Gold Cup last summer. Um, yep. He's well-respected and, and a good teammate and a good training player, and sometimes it's worth making that guy the 26th player in yeah. the squad.
2: And I, and I intend to write a story about this, Sam, but there is there is something to be said about the glue guy in a locker room. Mm-hmm. And when you talk to people around this group, the, yeah, um, the way people in the locker room think about Christian Roldan has played a very, very big role in the fact that Christian Roldan has been in every single team and was at every single qualifier. Even though he wasn't playing a ton, he is really
1: well liked by the group. And, so get get ready to get mad about that roster pick.
2: Well, it, maybe you should be a little less mad about it when you know that that some of it is that you want guys that are glue guys in the locker room. That when you look at a twenty six spot. And you're talking about somebody who probably isn't going to play a ton. You know, who's going to, is Paul Ariola going to get selected in a World Cup game really, realistically, how often over Gio Reyna or Brendan Aronson? Mm-hmm. And when you start measuring that, you know, do you give more weight to the fact that, yeah, I think Paul Ariola might be more impactful off the bench if we needed to go there than On, Or do you give more weight to... Hey, like we also need really good glue guys. And I actually think, you know, Paul Ariola is yeah. well-liked in the locker room too. I'm, I'm not trying to say he has a
1: lot of those same calls. He's in, yeah. He's
2: in that same boat. And then maybe that ends up giving him the edge. But I, I do think it's worth noting that Roldan, when you talk to people around the team is just a, a, a favorite, he's a favorite yeah. in the group.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thanks for listening to this live show. Hopefully there weren't too many hiccups. I think we were pretty smooth, um, but you know, I'm a little biased. I, I caught uh, myself leaning back in my chair a few times. But I mean, that, I do that all good. the time. I'm moving around constantly in the show. Um, you know, if we made mistakes, as Greg Berhalter said, we're not always going to be right. We're going to make mistakes sometimes. So deal with it, people. But thank you for listening. Paul, we're going to be in Europe with the team um, yep. this coming week. So our next episode of Allocation Disorder will be coming to you from Cologne, Germany, I believe, um, ahead of the match against between the USmT mnt and japan which is next friday in dusseldorf uh we'll be heading to spain after that one uh the us plays saudi arabia in murcia how about that um on september 27th so we'll have plenty plenty of content both written and audio for you guys from that trip um thanks for listening to this show i'm sam he's paul this has been allocation disorder